first of all, I uh, uh, would like to say that uh, my presentation will be uh, limited to uh, uh, STEAM, which is rules and constraints of um, artistic creation, the neurobiologist viewpoint. And um, uh, the uh, first slides I will show is just to simply illustrate that there is indeed a genetic envelope to uh, the origin of art and aesthetics in the human uh, lineage. And um, uh, one of the first steps, of course, is the discovery of tools, which take place with Homo habilis about 2.5 million years ago. Uh, the brain at this uh, stage was only uh, 600 cubic millimeter. Uh, and um, uh, the um, uh, second uh, step, if I may say, uh, is uh, the discovery of symmetry. Uh, since you may have noticed that um, the first tools were rather um, uh, rough and uh, without very definite shape. And uh, with Homo erectus, uh, 1.5 million years ago, and uh, with a brain of uh, 800 cubic millimeter, uh, symmetry is indeed uh, present with um, these bifas, uh, yeah, which uh, were collected here in Ethiopia. Now, uh, another uh, step which is uh, important is the discovery of symbolism uh, with um, uh, Homo heidelbergensis uh, 300,000 years ago. And the brain now is uh, significantly larger, approaching that of um, Homo sapiens sapiens. And uh, these uh, were found in Aven Sepulcral in Spain. And uh, one can uh, notice um, uh, funerary settings and funerary offerings. And last uh, but not least, of course, is the discovery of um, artistic composition, which is uh, uh, appearing uh, 100,000 years ago with Homo sapiens and uh, a brain of uh, 1,400 cubic millimeter, which is the volume, approximative volume of our brain. So there is clearly some kind of uh, genetic envelope uh, for the evolutionary origins of art. And uh, perhaps as a uh, next uh, stage in my presentation, I would like to try to define what is art and uh, aesthetics. And uh, the uh, first point I would like to underline is that uh, work of art is a human production, some kind of artifact, uh, which I view as specialized for intersubjective communication to use symbolic forms, which could either be genetically or epigenetically, it means learned, encoded. And um, uh, second, it's clear that um, uh, works of art are not, do not belong to language as such. It's a non-verbal communication. Uh, primarily of emotional states, knowledge, experience, uh, with a diversity of codes uh, at variance with uh, language. Uh, yet there are uh, constraints, rules, uh, what in French one may call the règle de l'art, and I will try to define what they are in the second part of my presentation. And um, what is um, uh, seemingly one of the most characteristic features of um, works of art is uh, where they have some kind of aesthetic efficacy, uh, uh, staggering effects that we have to further define on emotion and, uh, and reason as well. 
which uh, mobilize both conscious and non-conscious processes. And uh, last but not least, art uh, is uh, in constant evolution. There is indeed an art history. And uh, having seen uh, the Grotte Chauvet uh, as the first slide, you may question, uh, is there any progress in art or simply uh, an adaptative renewal uh, that uh, one may see throughout um, uh, the years since these uh, early origins of art. But we shall have, of course, we have fortunate enough to have uh, paleoanthropologists among us who are going to tell us uh, what are the first uh, creation in art of uh, human beings. Now, just to be more um, biologists and neurobiologists, I would like to say that, um, of course, artistic creation is done by our brains and uh, the brains of our ancestors. And uh, I would like to say that, uh, uh, from the outset, that it, we may view it as a synthesis of multiple nested evolutionary processes. Of course, those I just mentioned at the gene level, but also uh, other um, processes which are um, uh, taking place during brain development, and one may emphasize the fact that uh, the human brain takes 15 years at least to develop and uh, fully develop to, through um, uh, postnatal synaptic epigenesis. So there is um, a nested epigenetic evolution within uh, the um, genetic evolution, of course, at a different time scale. But we have also, as you know, change of synaptic efficacies which are taking place uh, at the level of our brain connections in uh, the uh, time scale of uh, hundreds of milliseconds. And these are linked, of course, to uh, the uh, mental um, or psychological times for uh, thinking and creating. And uh, in addition to this kind of uh, fast um, evolution, uh, there is, uh, in addition, of course, uh, the cultural and social evolution, uh, which uh, is taking place at um, a much larger scale and uh, most likely involve uh, extracerebral memories like the works of arts. Now, um, having these uh, ideas in mind, I will uh, say two things mainly. Make two points. First, um, how does the processing of uh, the visual image uh, is taking place? I am only speaking here about visual arts, but of course there are other arts like uh, music and so on. Uh, and then the second part of um, uh, this uh, brief presentation, I will discuss uh, the rules of art uh, to further uh, define what may be called a, a work of art. And um, uh, as uh, you may imagine, of course, uh, there is a bottom-up processing of the visual image from our uh, retina uh, through um, our uh, visual system, cortex, primary and secondary uh, cortical area, uh, and then uh, parieto and temporal uh, cortical areas uh, for um, uh, the perception of movement, of death, facial organization and ground figure segregation from the dorsal uh, pathway and uh, uh, the recognition of objects, recognition of faces, perception of colors through uh, uh, ventral pathway. Now all these, um, uh, these um, processes are uh, meeting at the level of the prefrontal cortex 
And um, uh, throughout uh, this uh, processing of piece of art, there is, of course, uh, an evocation of stored um, images and uh, emotions, and um, therefore a very strong um, impression of, um, of uh, emotion taking place during this processing. And um, uh, there is, of course, as you know, um, a system devoted uh, for this uh, uh, emotion uh, processing, which is the limbic system, and um, Antonio Damasio is going to, to talk about this. And uh, what I would like to say is that uh, uh, it is uh, interesting to view uh, the, these uh, uh, final steps in the processing of the visual image uh, as uh, uh, taking place through a very rich interconnection between the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex. And um, that's where I believe, uh, this is an hypothesis, of course, I wish to propose, that aesthetic efficacy is due to the access to consciousness of um, these uh, uh, images and uh, emotions which have been processed non-consciously uh, beforehand and uh, have a non or non-access to uh, space, uh, which uh, uh, I call the global neuronal workspace, uh, which uh, uh, might uh, originate, and this is our hypothesis, from a set of long axon neurons, which uh, are uh, heavily interconnected and uh, um, are using, uh, are broadcasting signals to uh, multiple areas um, uh, and uh, uh, yield the subjective experience of what may be called the artistic contemplation. Uh, this uh, notion of um, global neuronal workspace has been developed with uh, Stanislas de Haan during the uh, past uh, decade, and uh, as I said, is based on the occurrence of these um, uh, uh, sets of uh, long-range connections which um, interconnect the prefrontal, the parietotemporal, and cingulate cortex. And uh, you can see this uh, old slide of MacLean uh, uh, that already emphasized the relationship between the limbic and the prefrontal cortex. And um, uh, the proposal here, which is again a hypothesis to further discuss, there is some kind of discrete um, mental uh, synthesis uh, which, uh, of multiple parallel and distributed processes, which is going to take place at this level and give um, uh, what I would call this aesthetic experience. Now you can uh, see this uh, image and ask, uh, was it a, a man's face or a woman? Answer? Well. <laughs> and uh, this is simply that uh, one of these uh, images is uh, having access to consciousness. And uh, this is just to illustrate that um, uh, one can, in fact, uh, now have an objective uh, investigation on access to consciousness through uh, this um, kind of uh, experiment, where here uh, this set of slides are shown to the subject. Here, when one asks the subject, what, have you seen something? He said, yes, lion. If now you have the same slides, but the order is different, the masks are in between note, then uh, the subject does not report anything uh, subjectively viewed. So this is um, visible, and here it is not visible, but consciously, non-consciously processed by the brain. Now, if you look at um, the brain image, which 
uh, were again uh, uh, obtained by uh, Stanislas Dehaene and colleagues, uh, you can realize that, in fact, for conscious processing, you have uh, indeed the mobilization of the uh, prefrontal cortical areas, but this is not taking place to the same extent in the case of non-conscious uh, processing. So uh, why not to view uh, the aesthetic experience as being precisely the uh, conscious access to the global workspace? This is uh, the uh, uh, hypothesis I simply wish to put forward. Now, I would like to close on uh, uh, other issues. Uh, work of art is not um, simply uh, a clock uh, or a, a bottle of wine or uh, a landscape. There is something more in the definition of uh, a, a work of art. And I think uh, uh, to uh, introduce this uh, uh, notion, uh, I would like to quote uh, a statement by Braque, j'aime la règle qui corrige l'émotion. Uh, in English, it is, I love the rule which corrects the emotion. And uh, uh, I think this is a very profound statement for us, since indeed our brain is so complex and there are so many interconnections that everything is possible. Our brain uh, might even uh, explode if... Uh, I would say, uh, under the possibilities uh, of combinations uh, which are possibly established between nerve cells. And um, therefore, uh, what is characteristic of a piece of art is that there is indeed a restriction of these possible combinations. And uh, that's uh, what I call an efficient rule, uh, which is most often implicit in the case of the artist, uh, which uh, restricts in the top-down manner the number of possible representations, which creates what I would call the style of the artist. And um, uh, these uh, rules may be viewed, but this is still something to investigate. Again, it's a program for future research, a quite pattern of connections, some kind of scaffoldings, which would be stored in, in long-term memory and constrain the artist's gesture. So what are these rules? Of course, first of all, you are not going to forgive an artist to repeat himself or to repeat the work of somebody else. So novelty is one of the rules, the constant search for the unanticipated. Now, this is not sufficient, of course, uh, but um, you may have neural basis uh, for um, uh, novelty with this brain imaging of surprise, where indeed you can see the prefrontal cortex is... Uh, Activated. This is from the work of Reichel and Posner. Uh, when when uh, you uh, are used to see something, then you get bored or desensitized, and the prefrontal cortex is becoming silent, or not completely silent, but at least there is less activity. And now if you show a novel piece of art, then there is a reactivation of this prefrontal cortex. So there is indeed some kind of uh, neural basis for novelty or surprise. Now, uh, this is uh, uh, not sufficient, of course. And uh, another uh, characteristic of, uh, of what may be defined as a piece of art is what I call consensus partium, uh, following, uh, of course, Alberti at the Renaissance, who get this definition, uh, which is the universal search for harmony. This is not a Platonician kind of principle. It is something which I consider as being uh, neurally based, 
And uh, this is uh, what may be called the coherence of the parts within the whole. And uh, just to illustrate this point, I would like to uh, show the photographs of the work uh, which preceded, anticipated, uh, this uh, beautiful painting of uh, Matisse in Baltimore Museum. And uh, here are a few of the steps, and they are all by Matisse himself, of course. And uh, you can see where he started, and when you compare where he started to how he finished, you may say, well, uh, I could not believe that this is by Matisse, but yet it was from Matisse. And then he progressively, through this tedious work, uh, finally reached this stage that he considered as final and where all the parts were indeed consistent with the whole. Now, uh, is there a neural basis for that? Well, there are few experiments along these lines, and these are from the group of Kramann from Germany where uh, the subject has to compare uh, an, uh, a picture which is symmetrical with another one which is non-symmetrical and supposed to be beautiful. So this is, I wish to uh, ask your forgiveness, uh, something uh, very, very crude and primitive as a test for beauty. But this can be improved, of course. And yet you can see that there is a very striking difference uh, between what may be called aesthetic judgment from symmetry judgment And again, these uh, prefrontal temporal parietotemporal uh, networks of these long-range connections are being mobilized in uh, the uh, aesthetic uh, judgment. Now, uh, there is also something else, and uh, the list is not closed for the artist, is to convey a message. When we see these lions um, from uh, uh, Grotte Chauvet, they had a significance, for sure. So there is something that uh, the artist had to convey to the public, to the spectator. And I uh, would use the word of uh, Poussin, exemplum, uh, what uh, the artist wants the spectator to share with him his conception of the world. And uh, I uh, just want to illustrate this aspect with this beautiful Uh, paintings from um, Pablo Picasso uh, of the Minotaur. And uh, I would say that uh, an important function of art is to make us aware. And uh, is there a neural basis for that? I think there is, of course. There are a lot of studies being done now uh, about empathy. And uh, here is the comparison of uh, the brain images which are obtained by... uh, a person who, uh, who suffers from electrical stimulus and another one which uh, uh, sees the person suffering from uh, the electrical stimulus. And uh, you can see that there are uh, uh, many circuits which are in common, others are different. And there are, uh, we may uh, see that there are indeed neural circuits of empathy. And uh, my uh, conclusion would be that art makes us aware of oneself as another. Now I am uh, finishing. This is my next to last slide with another rule which uh, I may consider as uh, important as well, which is schematization. And just to raise a question for uh, the paleoanthropologists who are going to speak after me. Uh, this uh, is from Grotte Chauvet and you have these dots and you have this horse. Uh, 
what about realism and abstraction? This is, as you know, a very important issue in uh, even contemporary art. But I would like to quote Herbert Simon, who said the beauty of a scientific proposition lies in the fact that it explains much from little. And I leave you with this statement. Now, to conclude, I would say that uh, we have to further discuss, and I am not going to talk about this, uh, the uh, evolutionary origins of uh, art and aesthetics in the framework of um, Darwinian evolution, sexual selection, group selection, intersubjective communication, social bonding, or even simply a byproduct of brain evolution. Thank you very much, and I want to just say that uh, I wish to acknowledge uh, not only the Institut Pasteur and College de France, but you see this casque school of pharmacy and Palmer Taylor for uh, uh, being my host, and uh, of course, Carsa and uh, Ajit Varkin and the Kabli Foundation. Thank you very much.